اللهم صلينا سيدنا محمد وعلى آله محمد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا صراط المسلم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم خير مخضوب عليهم ولا الضالين. Thank you. Okay. So that was our from from our riding the camel, and so now riding the car of the camel. Here we go. So. So this one is, you know, Ibn Arabi is now back to taking us straight into the place, the source, the special face where all this came from. And these, the ideas that will come up that he, he shows us here are ascension, pens, directed, slave, hireling, and they're all very much interconnected. Um, but I don't know if I'll be able to spell out all of the connections, but they are tremendously uh, connected. So we'll see how that works. And these are some of the verses which help us uh, see what was found in the source when we come back out to the sound of the Quran. So if Amr, if you could take that for us. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. نون والقلم وما يسترون ما أنت بني ربك بمجنون وإنك لأجرا غير ممنون وإنك لعلى خلق عظيم أم تسألهم أجرا فهم من مغرم مثقلون أم عندهم الغيب فهم يكتبون Noon, by the pen and what they inscribe, you are not by the blessings of your Lord possessed. Surely you shall have a wage unfailing. Surely you are of a tremendous character. Or do you ask them for a wage? and so they are weighed down with debt? Or is the unseen in their keeping, and so they are writing it down? And it is but a reminder to all creation. Thank you. So we begin with nun by the pen and then the plural. So Arabic has a dual, so this may, if there's something else, it's a plural, it's three or more. So we'll be looking at the pen and pens, plural. And this is where Ibn Arabi just drops the bomb on Marifa of an alighting place of the standing qualities of the drawn text, drawn by the divine pen into the preserved tablet, which is the human being. So I'll just drop that right there. Part of synoptic presence, Mosaic and Muhammadi, and they are two of the most brilliantly radiant of presences. So he just drops that into the idea of oh, the preserved tablet. Well, that's you, the human being. So Klaus will read this poem, which begins this chapter. 
a secret of the ink bottle and the pen, a knowing of the new and the old. This is specific to the one who's called from there and arrives on account of a presence from the doubt of who. There is for who from there a foothold. And based on a people, they have in the step level of knowing a step. He comes hastening, riding and walking upon footsteps. He blended a blend of flesh with blood. And he caught up to existence where he testified before the truth from non-existence. The inner secret in his existing being is like he was when he was unfound. And during his moment, there was no companion of previous sorrow. The precondition for anyone turning in repentance is true resolve and sorrow. When he brought his presence, he came lowered and when he sighted him, sighted him with his eye on the throne, he bore its service. The wellspring flowed abundantly to him. Lo, he was one of the attendants. And when he departed from his station, that one was a two. Thank you. So first, we'll look at the idea of tremendous and the word azim and azma and this, this word, so A-Z-M, of tremendous. So he begins the prose part of the chapter. Learn, may God assist you, dear sincere friend, beloved, generous, may God enlighten your insight. The messenger of God, sallallahu as his hulk, that is his character, was the Quran, and the Hulk and the Quran are described as tremendous. And he took on the divine names. So Tachalukka and Hulk, this characteristic, same root. And God Subhanahu used to cite in his majestic book that who exalted settled upon the throne in the way of commendation and praise of himself. You see, the throne is the most tremendous, A'azama, of the physical bodies. So we've got Quran, the prophet's character, and the throne, all azim, all described as tremendous. So he made for his prophet with his settling a correlation in the way of praise of him thereby, in the sense that he is the highest station at which he ended when he was ascended in the night ascension of all the messengers. Now this proves that he was ascended during the night ascension in his physical body. And Ibn Arabi will give two other uh, reasons why this was a physical ascent. Uh, one was that he was given law during the night ascension. And that is the law that the prayer would be five uh, prayers in the day. So that is a law. And so it had to be a physical um, revelation and not one given in a dream. 
And third, uh, when he was asked and challenged by the Quraysh and others to say, well, if you were in Jerusalem, you know, where is so and such and such, where is such and such? You know, where's the baker compared to the well? And so he was asked all these questions and he tells us that he had never felt more, uh, you know, embarrassed in his life. So he stood on the hijr on that half wall by the Kaaba and a map somehow was put before him. And Allah showed him a map in which he could then identify all the places in Jerusalem so that the people who were criticizing him and challenging him uh, would then desist. So let me just make sure we have this here. So this uh, from the Ascension. So the Ascension, uh, Ibn Arabi tells us that he had a physical Ascension and then many, many, many dream Ascensions. And he says, we the faithful have dream Ascensions. So let's hear that about that Ascension. Nur Muhammad, Nur Muhammad, Nur Muhammad is Allah. Nur and Allah, Nur, Nur and Allah, Nur, Allah Ali Muhammad. I first received Quran on the night of power. I entered divine presence closer than to bowlings. I offered you my right hand beneath the tree. Now I entrust you to Ali. Nur Muhammad, Nur Muhammad, Nur Muhammad Allah. Nur Allah, Nur, Nur Allah, Nur, Allah Ali Muhammad. I flew with Holy Gabriel to Jerusalem. I led the prayer on the rock of Abraham ascending I saw angels standing and bowing Salat comes first for the dervish of Ali Nur Muhammad Nur Muhammad Nur Muhammad Nur Allah Nur Nur Allah Nur Allah Ali Muhammad. I'm on with the archangel through the heaven across the absolute limit of creation. Nobody did I find for me. 
So this, uh, this Sidra tree, this, the limit of creation, um, and then there's this, um, this idea of crossing the limit of creation. This one goes back to the poem, and Ibn Arabi will not make any of this explicit, but in the poem he says, your, the light of Muhammad, your existent being was the same as before you were found, so when you were unfound. And so you have this very much before time and before and without the limits of creation. But Ibn Arabi is not making that explicit, at least not right here. So, so when uh, on this night of ascension, because it was physical, the, then all of these senses are, are activated. And one of the senses is the hearing. So when there was nothing farther to be seen, there was still something to be heard. And that was the pens, all of them scratching and screeching. And so Ibn Arabi will talk about these pens and we'll look at how these pens work and how they're different from the, the, that great first pen. So there's the great pen that writes and then there's these other pens. These pens, this is their step level and the one placed in charge by God of erasing is an honored angel. So this one erases what he's told to erase. The pens have the divine quality, which is described in the revelation as wavering back and forth. So we've heard that Allah says that he never wavers back and forth as he wavers when uh, taking the soul of the faithful one who is afraid of death. Um, and so, or, and, and doesn't want to die. So that's a wavering. And so, and of course, this is one of those many reports which the intellect cannot understand. How could God waver, be of two minds, or, or that's how we always think of it, two minds or two ideas. If not for this divine truth, however, two matters would not differ in the universe and no one would be confounded in a matter and no one would waver about anything. So the count of these pens is, according, is 360 pens. It's the same count as the 360 degrees of a circle. So these pens are there in that circling, three years circling before things happen. And uh, we looked last week at whether the kaf, wav, and noon are these three circles. So. And this wavering and flickering then brings up the idea of what of destiny and free choice. So we have predestination, destiny, um, fixed, preordained, and then we have the idea of free will, free choice. And so these are the, this tension. Of course, it's a tension that uh, humanity has been discussing throughout the ages um, and mathematicians and physicists discuss it for the last hundred years very powerfully or very, very intently. And the idea of the double slit experiment is sort of the basis of these discussions. When the light particle comes, does it go left or does it go right? And what determines whether it goes left or right? So this is up this question of choice. 
Um, and we always are looking for what are these two choices? And, and one of the ideas that comes up in physics is the many world idea. That is, if you choose to go left, there's another world where you chose to go right. And then there's another world where you chose to go left and then right. And another world where you chose to go right, left, right. And then we have Robert Frost, the two paths in the wood, which is to be read as they're actually the same. But we always want to know what is this about choice? So these, this, this area of, of wavering is where Ibn Arabi is going to uh, jump into this question of are we predetermined or are, do we have free will? And he ends up saying we are compelled in our free choice, in our free will. So we are majbur in our ikhtiyar. We are forced and compelled in our free choice. So that's how he helps us. That's his shorthand for telling us what's going on here. So this wavering back and forth, there is this truth coursing flow of wavering in the existent being, so in us, about matters and being confounded about matters. When we're confounded, we have more than, we have two choices. We don't know what we should do. This is when human beings find that their souls are wavering about doing something. Should they act? or not act? Will the light particle go right or go left? They do not cease being in the state until one of the matters which they are wavering about comes into being and there comes to pass this single matter. So when you waver, which of the two roads shall I take? Um, and then you waver until you take the one. And then when you do, now you're on that road. And then the wavering ceases. The matter that comes to pass is the one confirmed in the tablet about the matters the waverer was wavering over. Now this is where the writing pen writes in the erasable tablet something. So there's an erasable tablet, not the protected tablet. The protected tablet is uh, free from eraser. And this is the time of the incoming thought which occurs to the creature about doing something. Then the writer erases it, God erases it, and that incoming thought vanishes from this individual. Then there extends out, and this is the same word as the inkwell and the ink and the, and the medet, help, from this booklet, raised toward the souls of this individual for whose sake this was written. And there suddenly occurs to this individual this new thought, which is opposite the first one. So right, not left, or left, not right. Thereupon, the pen writes another matter. This is the way the matter is forever and ever. There are always two choices and we are wavering about them, then an incoming thought that pushes us here, which is opposite that one, and we go there. And then another one happens like that. So this is not only our sort of lot in life, this is a divine quality, which is interesting that Ibn Arabi is pulling this to the divine quality. So it's not something to be eliminated. Now, when things are coming at us, they are, we, they are all of them true. So we're going to left or right, both are true paths. And there is not any hidden variable, as Bell said, you know, Einstein says that God does not play dice. That was about this experiment, this idea of which of the two paths will this light particle pass. And Bell shows that there is no hidden variable. There is no place you can, no force that you can identify, which tells you whether this is going to go left or right. And so because there's no hidden variable, there is no true answer or right answer. They are, when you're looking at two paths, they are two paths. 
And so these are incoming thoughts. Now, when these incoming thoughts come when we're in prayer, what does that mean? And Ibn Abi will go against what most people, the common people, or even the common scholars and experts think. And that is that all thoughts coming in during the prayer are valid, true thoughts. So in this particular prayer, when he prayed the, the eclipse prayer after his son had died, he was leaning one way, and then he was leaning the other way. And so people asked about that. Ubay ibn Kab asked about that. Did you see me at the moment I went forward? I desired to pluck from the garden a plucked fruit. If I had brought it out from there, I would have fed all of you from it as long as the world lasted. And when the fire took on form for me, I leaned back from before her, lest her flame strike me. And I saw in there Ibn Luha, who brought idol worship to Mecca and altered the religion of Abraham. And the man with the stick, the guy who used to take a stick and and root around your belongings. And if he grabbed something, he would steal it. And if you saw him, he would say, oh, it was my mistake. Uh, the, the staff just grabbed it. And the woman with the cat, the reason she was there in the fire is because of the cruelty of, of tying up the cat so the cat couldn't fend for herself. Now, all of this was during the prayer of the eclipse of the sun. And he, sallallahu alayhi said, indeed, God is in the Qibla, that is facing the one praying. And he saw the garden and the fire in his Qibla, just as the wall was in his Qibla. So therefore, all of these things happened, which did not take him out of this prayer. So things that appear to you are coming into you as, as images. And, the, and the, the, the image making situation that we always return to is the Annunciation. When Gabriel takes on an image and appears before Mary, who then uh, becomes pregnant with Isa, with Jesus. And this process is an image comes, the, the tablet receives it and gives birth to word and meaning because Jesus is the word of God and we are the words of God. So therefore, learn just what I am alerting you to. That indeed with Rasulullah, the true never stopped conversing intimately with him in his Qibla and during his prayer. And that vision of the gardens and the fire and whoever was in them did not make him depart the prayer, nor did his movement forward and backwards. Nothing made him depart his prayer, nor did his movement uh, stop him from becoming someone who is praying outwardly and inwardly. No, he reported all of this vision during the state of prayer. It's a notification for us that thoughts that come into us during our prayer, such as visions of our own affairs, for example, buying and selling and receiving a gift or giving a gift, they are all part of the prayer. So each image becoming a like form, the way Gabriel becomes a form before Mary, is true in your inside just as he radiates to you in the sensed object in your outside. All of this does not take you out of being someone praying according to the definition and boundaries that are set by law. But the one who does not have any knowledge of these matters, which is you know just about everyone, according to him, any of this disproves the prayer. So Bernabe is going against this concept. Now, messenger of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to, during his prayer, 
when he proceeded in his recitation to a verse asking for forgiveness, he asked for forgiveness. When he came to a verse asking for some, describing something desirable, he asked God to bestow what that verse indicated. And none of this took him out of being someone praying and reciting the Quran. And no new intention was made, which would take him out of his prayer. So these pens that he hears, we talk, let's look at them one more time. With the pens, their step level is below that of the highest pen and below the protected tablet. What the pen writes is not altered. And the protected tablet is so-called because she is protected from erasure. But these pens write into tablets what is to be erased and what is to be confirmed and locked in. And in his exalted word, God erases whatever he wishes and confirms. Part of these tablets is the descent of the divine, of the revealed laws and the folios. So when the laws come down, they come down and some of them will be able to be erased and canceled. This is why canceling enters into the revealed laws and canceling enters into the revealed laws around the rule. And it is expressed as the end time period of a law. So a law has an expiration date after which it is canceled. Here's where there is a flickering, a wavering back and forth. When, so he, he started with 50 prayers and then Moses said, why don't you go back and get a lower number? And he goes back and forth until the number is five. And because the higher pen had written 50 prayers, and the law is now five prayers, then what is canceled is the 50 to five, but what is not canceled is the reward of 50 prayers. So 50 prayers are rewarded and five are performed. And in these tablets, he describes himself as wavering back and forth because I never waver as I waver when taking the living breath of the faithful one who hates to die. Now, all of this is then connected is to this idea of directed. So when you hear mustaqim and sirat al-mustaqim, we you normally hear that as the straight path. And Ibn Arabi says straight is not the word. The word is tending, directed, and directed and tending, going a particular direction in the best way. So things that are curved are can tend directly to where they're supposed to go. So curved things are not straight, but they do tend directly to where they're going. So he says, now we have alerted you to the path, which is the reaching means to the knowledge of integrating betterment, whose path the people have neglected. They take it to be in the fourth degree. That is something um, from the faithful, but not from the messengers, but actually it's from the messengers. And they hold the path to be a straight line. So they think a path, the Sirat al-Mustaqim is a straight line. But the path of the true is not like that. No, it is the mustaqim circle wound around. So this is what istiqama means. You see, the people are ignorant of the meaning of istiqama, directly tending in things. That is what this word means. The istiqama of the circle is where she becomes a true and whole circle in the place where each line departing from the center point to the circumference 
is equal to its counterpart and the rest of the lines. It is just as the istikama in the fourfold shape. So in the in, in the four, what's that quadrilateral? So in squares and so on. And the threefold in the triangle is that is equal in the ribs, equal in the corners. So an equilateral triangle or a square. It is just as the istikama in the equilateral triangles is where the legs are equal. Therefore, everything which does not depart from what it was set down, what was set down for it, this is its istikama. And you will all know why all of these lines from the center point to the circumference are exactly the same length. And that is the sirat al-mustaqim. They're the same length because all beings are one step from the center. So we're on a, not on a, a point of origin, we're on a line of origin and everyone is one step from the origin. And that's every breath is a path to Allah. So every breath is, takes you, can take you directly to the center point. So there are not long lines and short lines. There are not convoluted lines that take you forever to get to where you need to go. There are only one line and you have one step from there to your source. There's only one step. Now, as Ibn Arabi says, this is a, what we now call a topological situation where two distances are not the same. So we have an experience of that A to B may be one step, but the distance from B, us, to A, to the center, may seem very long and may be very convoluted. So that's from our perspective. So our perspective is that we can be weaving on a road and it's almost we'll never get to where we need to go. But from the perspective of the center and istiqama and sirat al-mustaqim, there's only one step away. So now uh, we need to, we had the, in the, in the verse uh, from Quran, we had the idea of hirelings and slaves. So we'll talk about slaves. So just quickly, whenever we talk about slaves, I don't know how often I'll do this in the translation, but um, Ibn Arabi will, describes the situation of slavery. Um, and I and just want to make sure that everyone knows that you don't go out and have a slave. Now, that's because there are three things that happen that we talked about why Allah loves us, why God loves us, because there are three affinities. The first affinity is that we look like him. That's because we are created in the image of God, a flush against this image. Two, we have this uh, situation where humanity, unlike any other species, thinks that it can own its own species and other species. That's only in the human beings. Dogs don't think that they can own other dogs or anything else. The one acting through the other instrument, and we are ones from behind whom Allah acts. So given these three truths, you, we always kind of, or some of us, or I do, always have to remember that because I'm flush against the image doesn't mean that I should take pictures of myself and say, here's a picture of God, here's a picture of God, $10. And the fact that I have, as humanity, owned because Allah owns doesn't mean I should have a slave. And the fact that God acts instrumentally behind me doesn't mean I push someone and say, oh, that was God pushing you. So... With those three in mind, we can continue to the idea of slavery and slavehood.
So he starts, he's working this out for us. Now the slave at basis has nothing he may demand as his right from his master, except what inescapably comes from him. He eats based on his master, he is clothed based on his master, and his master sustains him with his daily maintenance. He never disappears from his master night or day, so he doesn't go off somewhere else, never coming out of his master's abode, except to turn to tend to some errand that his master gives him. So you are in this world with God, and in the day of arising for judgment with God, and in the garden with God. You see, all of these are the possessions of your master, and you work in all of these realms with the discharging activity of one's own. So I can go to any of these abodes because they're all the possessions of my master. But the wage earner has only the wage which is fixed for him. From this wage, he expends and he is dressed. He has no access to the protected women and children of his master, who is his wage provider. Neither are his master's secret raised up before him. So he doesn't get to know the inner secrets. And he does not spend except the measure of money he was given as wages. So he only has enough money that he was given. Whatever money he was given, that's what he can spend. And when the period of employment is concluded and he has received his wage, he goes apart from his wage provider and tends to his own family. He does not have in this perspective any true right or relationship to the one who sought him for hire except if the owner of wealth confers a favor on him by sending him out to act as his ancient once, or having him sit down with him, or giving him a cloak of honor. But all of this is based on favor, and his voluntary slavery is removed, so his hiring period is removed in the hereafter. So once the period of his employment is done, that's it. No more proximity, no more sitting with the master. Um, and so we're looking at hirelings, and wages and slave. And Ibn Arabi is going to explain that there we need to see three levels. The first level Zat of who, the second level is Allah, which is all of the divine names. And then the third level is the divine names. And to show you, so Allah testifies that who, that is that first level is no God, but who. So that's Allah testifying about that first level. So Ibn Arabi says, if you are picking this up, I have alerted you to a sublimely majestic station. You will recognize what station the prophets are speaking of with their being slaves utterly devoted to who? The appetites of their selves do not own them, nor does anyone in the creation of God own them. And despite this, they say, indeed my wage is from Allah only. So they say, my wage is from Allah, that is the names. You will learn that this refers to their entrance under the rule of the divine names. From there, the wage comes. So when they get a wage, it's from the divine names, not from the Zat who, who they are the, they are the slaves of. So then they are by necessity and truth, devoted slaves of the Zat. They are possessions of her. So they are possessions of her and the divine names. So we have that, Allah, and the divine names. The divine names seek them out, all of these prophets and all these special people, in order to manifest their effects in them. 
They want to manifest and show, display their effects in these people. They have free choice concerning entrance into whatever divine name they wish. So they can go under the rule of any of the divine names freely. They can choose where they're going. And the divine names know this. Therefore, the divine names appoint good wages to be paid for them. Each divine name seeks from these Zat-based slaves that they should choose and prefer this name over me, me over other names for one of the slaves to serve them. So the name says, the divine name says, enter under my command. I will provide you with this and that. I will give you these rewards and this fine wage. Then you remain in the service of that name until the master calls you. Then when the master calls you, you abandon every divine name and stand for the call of your master. That's the that. When you have done what you are told to do, at that moment, you return to whatever divine name you wish. This is why the human being, you do extra rituals voluntarily and you do devotional acts as you wish until you hear the call to prayer. Then you drop everything. Then every ritual ritual is forbidden you and you hurry to fill the requirement of your master and king. Then when you are finished, you enter into whatever extra ritual you wish. To give a similitude or a parable for this topic, it is like the slave. His master has many children. With, this, with his master, he is under the rule of necessitated slavehood, must do. When his master commands him, he occupies himself with nothing but his command. And when he has finished fulfilling that command, he looks for the children of his master, for them to make use of him. So certainly they will specify for him what he likes to do in their service. So the divine name will say, you like to do this thing? I'll be that name for you. And each child loves to have him as his servant in the moments when he has finished becoming occupied with the master. They compete among themselves concerning his wage. So they, they bump up the price. I can get you a better wage. I can get you a better wage in order for him to be exclusively devoted to them. And he is someone who chooses whichever child he will serve as that moment. So you have, you have all these names. They are competing with each other to give you the best wage. And you choose whichever the names you wish. Now, in this parable, parable, the human being is the slave, the master is God, and the children are the rest of the divine names. So we'll look at this, I am your garden of beautiful names. So when this slave sees someone in trouble and he removes his troubles, he knows that he is under the subjugation of the name, the succor, the one who aids. So if I see someone in trouble and I come to their aid, then I'm, I have just chosen to serve the divine name, the one who aids. And by aiding, then I get the wage from that name. He has from this one who gives aid, whatever is appointed for him by this by way of wages. So whatever wages that the one who aids gives me, that's the one I take when I come to someone's aid. And when you see a frailty in yourself, you are gentle with it. And then you're under the subjugation of the name, the gentle, Latif. So if you see a frailty in yourself and you're gentle with it, then you have just come under the rule of the name, the gentle. And you will get the wages that the gentle gives you. 
And it is this way for the remainder of the names. So whatever these people do, whatever we do, we come voluntarily under the rule of a divine name and we receive the wage and the goodness from that divine name. So verify this for yourself, my friend, how you serve your Lord and master and be with authentic knowledge concerning yourself and concerning your master. And you will be among those who know, who have a firm footing in their knowledge, the wise divines. You will succeed and reach the highest ladder step and the elevated position with the messengers and the prophets. So I am your garden of beautiful names. You are the guiding, you are the true. Nothing exists apart from you. Holy subsisting, eternal. La ilaha ilahu hai. You are the knower, you are the one. Nothing exists apart from you. Boundless mercy, fountain of I am your garden of beautiful names. Nothing exists apart from you. Wherever I look, I see only saints. Thank you. Thank you. So that's quite a parable. <laughs> okay. Alhamdulillah, thank you. So. so we have a question of the Arabic portion of the poem 38b, the Allahi that was sung. Um, well, the Allahis are going to be, uh, I mean, these are, based on Turkish ones. Um, well, so yeah, so these are the, the Allahis are drawing from um, the, the Surat al-Najm, the first verses of the Surat al-Najm and uh, other parts of Quran, other verses in Quran, which are giving the, the night ascension, telling us about the night ascension. You said the higher pen had written 50 prayers. This law was canceled but the reward of it was not canceled. My question, is this why Jarahi Dervishes performed 50 prayers on the night of destiny? Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that, that, how that, how all that's connected. We'll have to, we'll have to wait to hear from Sheikh and, and uh, about all of that. Wonderful. Yeah, the, so the, the reward, so when we do the five, we're rewarded for the 50. And uh, we also know that there's so many things that we do that are sevenfold. So seven times, 70 times, 700 times. Um, and all of that's based on this. So when we see, um, when, we're, when we're wavering and thinking left or right, uh, if we are wavering about something that's bad, um, then once that's done, that's done. But if we're wavering about something and intending to do something good, we're rewarded for the good, even if we haven't been able to carry it out. And that's why the, the, the poor person who's at the side of the street sees a millionaire and says, oh, I wish I had a million dollars. Uh, I would give it to these people here and I would do this good thing and I would help these orphans. And that person's intention is given the complete reward as if that person had given a million dollars. And so that's why it's uh, 
in a sense, on the day of judgment, it's better to be a poor person who wished he had a million dollars to do good things than the person who actually had the million dollars, because that person will then be accountable. Uh, what did you do with the million dollars you actually had? Whereas the poor person had nothing in his pocket to worry about. So, <laughs> so when we're feeling that's poor so on the corner of a street, that's how that might reassure us. <laughs> A few weeks ago, we talked about rewards when we spoke about being Rahim, forgiving everything. Then we said that there is no such such a thing as rewards. How can we reconcile what we said back then and today's ideas regarding the rewards from the 50 Salats? Mm -hmm. Thank you, and apologies if I misunderstood something. Okay. Well, yeah, this is the, the key. The, the word in Arabic is the same, but in English, we sometimes use reward, or in my translation, I often use recompense. See, what's happening is that recompense uh, has the idea of, of the pence in there is the of like, like uh, impending and all these other words, which mean weight. So when you, uh, when you have recompense, you, you give this and you are recompensed with it somewhere else. So recompense is perhaps the better uh, translation. Reward uh, is a little bit like gold stars and things like that. But we're also culturally uh, sort of primed to think in terms of, of reward. But uh, from Ibn Arabi's perspective, the translation recompense is better. So you can go back and take all the times you hear reward, translate it as recompense. That means it weighs in the other world. So when I do a good thing that might be very small, like I give someone a, a kind word and it might be very small, the recompense for it, the weight of it is huge. So the recompense is there it, as a huge recompense for this small thing that I gave. And so that's a better way of looking at it than reward, like, oh, you're, you've been a good boy and you now get a reward. So recompense is a better word. But culturally, we just reward it keeps coming up. <laughs> uh, regarding the word wavering, does it imply our thought or essence being extended to many worlds to, quote, experience, quote, the right or left choices in multiple dimensions as we are the Halifaq? Yeah, this this is very this is exactly the place that you, we need to look at. Um, so people who have been studying the double slit experiments, the the different um, Copenhagen uh, theory or, or interpretation of quantum mechanics, all of that, this is where you want to be looking, because what he's what Ibn Arabi is telling us is that not only do we waver, it's a divine quality. So one just a little bit of a takeaway from that is that. So if I'm looking at two options and I'm wavering between them, even though you can say that there is a predetermined and pre, it'll be known which path I take, yet before I take that path, it is absolutely clear that these are equally possible. So this is, this is where you get all of these, these uh, paradoxes and contradictions. It has to be completely so, I mean, we can go one way, you go all the way to is predetermined. So everything I do is predetermined. So I go like that, oh, that's been predetermined. All the way to free choice. I can choose whether to do this or do that. And so Ibn Arabi is saying both are absolutely true at absolutely the same time. So that's where your mind has to get blown away. And you say, so I am, I am forced and compelled in my free will. So my free will is there, my com being compelled is there, and they're both there together. 
Are there certain names that we all serve? Yeah, so the once we have entered into this idea that we are, once we know that we are serving the Zat and we are her possessions, when we know we're her possession, then that releases us to be able to say, when she doesn't want me to do anything in particular right now, I am free to look at all of these names. So this is, Ibn Arabi is giving us a sort of a temporal way of saying there's the absolute, and then there are the things that I can choose. And what I choose is which divine name will be operating on me now. And so, um, and so if I see myself as weak and frail and needing uh, comfort, then I say, bring this name Latif, the gentle, and I will get the wage from that, the gentle, and the gentle will be delighted to have someone who can be used by the name to manifest gentleness. So whenever we see a delight in being gentle to someone, to being uh, giving someone aid, when we see delight in that, we know that the divine name is delighted that we chose with our free will to give that person aid. Can you please elaborate further on Ibn Arabi's explanation of whether we have free will or not? So the majbur fi ikhtiyar. So majbur, so we have that in, in Urdu and other languages. Um, so many people say, me majbur hu, means I've been forced to do this. I have no other choice. Um, and then ikhtiyar is I can choose to do this. And Ibn Arabi is saying that you, are, you can choose to do things and you're choosing to do something is something you are forced to do. So that's one way he's connecting these two. You are forced to choose freely. And so if we look at the double slit experiment, which of the two places it's going to go through, there, it, it will go through one of the, one of the two. And there is no algorithm, there's no way for me to predict which of the two it will go to. That's because the choice about which one it's going to go to goes all the way back to a divine quality of wavering. So there is no knowledge at that moment whether you're going to go left or right. And, and so I can't say, well, Surely there must be a hidden variable. Surely there must be something that says I'm going to go left instead of right. And the answer is no, there isn't. There, these are completely free choice. When I've gone through the one, it's because suddenly the booklet that the pens, the small pens are writing has written down this and I get, I get help by saying, yes, I do wanna go left. And so I'm going left. And so then at that moment, going right is completely out of my mind. And so the incoming thought is supporting my choice to go here. And so it feels like predetermined because you're getting the ray of help. The medet is coming to you to go left. And because it's coming to you, it feels so strong and true and powerful and compelling. Then I forget that actually two seconds ago, it was completely even on the one hand, on the other hand. So it depends in a sense on when you're asking yourself, 
what is my free choice and what is my predetermination? It depends on the exact moment you're asking that question for yourself. Is this understanding of the pen akin to what is referred to as the Akashic records? Um, yeah, well, it would, I would have to know more about the Akashic. Um, yeah, I, 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 I haven't been able to connect those. I don't connect those right now. Okay. Um, erasable laws. Uh, do, do Christians take that as pork being allowed? So erasable laws is the is idea that each law has its has its time period, and when the time period is over, it can be uh, it can be erased. So, to, but to know when the time period is over, that's a, a big debate, and so uh, so we're always having that debate about sacred law. We're saying. Um, is, has this law been abrogated or erased or does it still continue? And Ibn Arabi says he does understand, he does accept that there are some canceled and erased laws, but he says nowhere near the number that the, you know, the superficial scholars say there are. So in other words, um, people, Muslims over the centuries left to right are saying that's canceled, that's canceled. It said that Christians and Jews should have no fear. That's been canceled. Now there's only Islam. And they go into all of that. And Ibn Rabi says, I don't do that kind of thing. Um, in other words, there are periods of law, but they're very few. And there's there's certainly we follow we follow principles, and those principles are the ones that the higher pen wrote, and those are the ones that never get canceled. For instance, God says, I forgive all sins. So once you say, I forgive all sins, uh, there is no, oh, well, that's been abrogated. Uh, if you do a really bad thing, that's not going to work. So, so that's, Ibn Abi says, those things are not abrogated or canceled. Assalamu alaikum. Are we ever free from the names, always with the master and the names together? Yeah, so in, in this parable, um, Ibn Abi is pointing us to, to the Zat, and that's our essential, uh, the one, the one who possesses us, and and we are we answer solely to the Zat, and we are the slaves of the Zat, and then, um, but there are moments when the Zat has so when the Zat calls, we answer, but there are also times when the Zat, you know, the master says, you can now do what you want to do, and what you wish to do is to take one of the divine names as as to serve them so we are slaves to the zat and servants to the names so that it's, it's very important that um, you often you almost never hear the word khadim or khadim or servant in in the futa because he's usually talking about we are slaves to the zat and and she is our master that we only have that is that's an involuntary force necessary that's our basic truth and then our free will comes into our wishes and what we like, that can be uh, manifested with the div divine names. And so, and these divine names, um, we, because we're a collectivity, uh, we're a collection of parts, our bodies are collections of parts, we can have multiple names on us and ruling us. Um, and we can have multiple names ruling us and we don't even know 
that the, what the right hand is doing, the left hand doesn't know. So Banabi says, this, is, this shows you that the divine name can be taking your right hand and your left hand won't know what's, what's happening, what's, who's in power, who's in, who's in charge. And so that, that tells us that we are under multiple names at multiple times. And we are aware, we, I think we're aware of only one by one uh, because it's so powerful that, that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So the sense that when I'm aiding someone and doing something, I might not even be aware that I am under that rule because it's so, so focused and uh, all come up encompassing. So I want to help this person and that's all I can think about. But I, I will also be under other divine names, but I won't see them because all I can see is I want to focus on helping this person or being gentle to this frailty inside myself. Uh, is it in Fana that we are solely with the master? Uh, well, so when, when, yeah, in the sense that when you don't, when you take away yourself, meaning the, the self, the self-determining self, then that is, I'm a, I'm a utter slave of the, of Zat and I'm her possession. And then when I'm her possession, there's no sense of, oh, I'm here and I like these things and I like these things. It's only when I'm released momentarily that I can say, you know, I like to be gentle to people. So I'm going to work with the divine name Latif and be gentle with people. So that that's something where the self comes back. So I choose it. Um, but but the sense of I have no self, I have no desire, I have no thing outside of my beloved. That's the being I am the possession of hers. And that's this is that that's what that kind of love does. And so that's why Muhammad said, all you need to call me is Abdullah. I am the slave of Allah. So that slave, um, this is what this is to the beloved. So the five times prayers fall under the call of the master and the nawafil of zikr under the children. Right. So uh, so when a, when when I am doing a sunnah prayer or a or a charity, a sadaqah, then um, I can do I can do charities, I can fast, I can fast all the time. But the but the moment the month of Ramadan comes, then that's calls me and I say, now this is not a voluntary fast or a, or a chosen fast. This is the fast of Ramadan and I do that. And so I can be praying in the uh, you know, Sunnah prayers and, and all, but when the Iqama comes, then I go straight to that. And there's no more my choosing to do prayers. Uh, there's now only the prayer which is required of me. Regarding the incoming thoughts during prayer, is there a difference between the ones that enter through no intention of our own compared to the ones we intentionally contemplate or consider? Yeah, so, well, and that's, that's where this, the, this intention, Ibn Arabi, is you, when, the, when we talk about the pens, the pens are bringing a string of ink, and that's from the inkwell to the pen. They're bringing that down or through to us. And when that ink comes down, that's imdad, which is assistance, and midad, which is ink, and medet, which is help. So when that connection is made, then that creates our intention. So we don't have an intention outside of that. Actually, the intention is created by, I intend to do this good thing, and then I'm supported by that string of ink that's coming down to me. So 
that string of ink that's coming down to me, which is my intention, is actually from there and therefore is an incoming thought. So um, Fred Marby is saying, that, so with these things that are coming at you, whether you see them as your personal attention, intention, or whether you see them as outside thoughts coming in, they're actually the same thing because my personal intention is also an outside thought coming in. <laughs> Wavering in the sense of resonating to all both possibilities, not decided or having a choice to make. Yeah, so, so that this it's very, very clear that Marabi is saying that this wavering is a divine quality. So if I'm sitting there saying left or right, that's not uh, just a human problem or that's not just a human question. It really is. I do have the absolutely absolute ability to go left or right. And there is no hidden variable saying, oh, that secretly I find out, oh, God wants me to go right. So I'll go right. No, there is no. It's completely open, left or right. And so that's absolute free will. And then when I'm given one of them and not the other, then something else happens. But this is a divine quality. So it's not simply a, um, a glitch in the matrix. And it's not something that my brain creates this idea that I might have free choice. You absolutely have free choice, left or right. Are we not under multiple names simultaneously? Yeah, and I think that uh, as a collective, we're, we're, we're always under divine names all the time, and they're multiple names. As a focus, we see one of them. And in a sense, uh, there's to see one and focus on that name is like if, if the right hand gives charity, that the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. So the left hand is still under the, the control and rule of a divine name, but the right hand giving charity is so focused that the rest of you doesn't know that this, this isn't the only thing that's happening. So that's the sense of, and that's the power of when you do give charity with the right hand in a way that the left hand doesn't even know that you're giving charity, that charity is the most powerful because it's focused. And so even though I, I acknowledge that all the divine names, all, all these divine names are going through me, that focus is one which makes, which delights the divine name and then delights me because I'm giving charity my right hand that my left hand doesn't even know what I'm doing. Okay. Um, Hassan, you can just put your email in the chat box and uh, Shuri will be happy to send you uh, the, the slides from today. Yes. Okay, another, another question. What about, I wish I'd give this money. I'm buying a TV with two orphans. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, so um, well, yeah. So so they're they're all they're all these this absolute free will. You have absolute free will about doing this or doing that, um, and what there will be a recompense for whatever you choose to do. The recompense for something that's not pleasing will be a single rep recompense, so it won't be magnified. The recompense for doing what is pleasing to Allah is a magnified recompense. And so we look for uh, we look for those things which are pleasing to Allah because they're the ones that magnify the recompense. And as with karma, there's always a recompense for everything good or bad. Um, a similar question, recompense sounds like a type of balancing between the two worlds. 
Yeah, well, I, I should be going like this because that's a balance. Uh, Ibn Arabi says it's a Roman scale. So a Roman scale is what we think about when you put a big weight here and you have the and you have the tongue of the scale going like this. So recompense um, isn't just balancing, but there's also this sense of you could have a super heavy weight here, and it can still uh, stay within the limits of of the of the the tongue and the scale scale going up and down like this. So Ibn Arabi is saying that the recompense is uh, they they are different sizes and weights and values, and that's where we get the word evaluate. It means to weigh something, to value two things. And so evaluation is saying which one is heavier means which one is more weighty, which one is better than. Does the great Sheikh subscribe to the belief that every human being is defined by a single divine name that is always dominant for him or her, and all the other names have temporary prominence and come and go at different times? No, I, I think it, it's it's a it's a clean slate, you know, all the time. Um, and so, uh, there, there, so which divine name is acting? Um, we can we can't. There's two things we can't predict what's going to happen, um, but we can see patterns, and so that's why uh, the the patterns of someone who is uh, going to be wretched and someone who is going to be felicitous. So hellfire versus a garden, that someone can be born and live the entire life as if someone were wretched, so being doing awful things, cruel things, and all that, and yet right before death, return to being. The person of the garden and go to the garden. So this tells us that there, there are patterns and so we can identify patterns, but they're not predictions. So we can't say because someone did something good, he must be a garden going person, or because someone did something cruel, they must be a fire going person. So we can't ever predict that. And so we talk about patterns and those patterns do not tell us what's coming next. And so in the phase space of reality, the phase space is fractal. So it doesn't, there are no ways of saying that if you went from point A to B to C, your next point is going to be here. There is no way to do that. Um, but just as with the weather, while you can't predict the weather, all the weather that you get is patterned. So it's gonna rain or it's gonna be a storm or it's gonna be lightning or it's gonna be this, but whatever it is, it's going to be something that you recognize but what it will be can't be predicted. Is there any relation between the meanings of Majbur and Jabbar, which both have the same Arabic roots? Yeah, so, so Jabbar uh, is the one that, that forces you somewhere. And, and Jabbar is also the one who restores your broken bones. And it's where we get algebra. So the X in algebra restores what was missing. So when you have an equation, you balance the equation and then you restore the X which was missing. So restoration and, and healing require forcing that you've got to be pushed somewhere. So in order to be healed, I have to be pushed where I need to go. And I need to com be compelled to go where I need to go. So to be, to be accepting that I am now being compelled and pushed instead of resisting is the way that I will then find healing. So healing is to accept, to be receptive to, and to receive. And since I don't do that naturally, 
I have to be pushed into that place. So that's how Jabbar seems to be a, a painful or scary name, but actually turns out to be the most beautiful and restorative one. And then the pain in the fire is, is when the foot comes down, it's the foot of Al-Jabbar. And so that is the one that then says, now you're full. And the, and the hellfire Jahannam was promised to be filled with her people. So now he fills, you're filled, and now they can all have their time of felicity. Does the compulsive prayer go beyond the five times? Um, well, so Ibn Abi says that the only one who was ever made to do a voluntary prayer is the Prophet And so he is told that he will do this prayer and that prayer at night. And that is required of him, but not required of anyone else. And Ibn Arabi says of all of these uh, extra nawafil, extra devotions, uh, the only one that was ever required to do them is Muhammad And the rest of us, they are always voluntary. And that's why it's good to do them knowing that they're voluntary and not to make them trickle into the required. And so this is the, in a sense, the danger of any of the extra devotional acts. We, we might get into the habit of them and then their true value uh, becomes unseen because we think we're doing them as if it's required. And it needs to be done on a, by, volunteer, by volunteering. And that means that the divine name has to be identified and say, I will serve you right now. But if I'm just doing it by habit, then the divine name doesn't know whether you're doing it for the Zat or for that divine name. This understanding increases appreciation for Zati and is always happening. I think the two go together. Um, yeah, I, the, say, say again, I, I, I can't see the, the chat. This understanding increases appreciation for Zati, exclamation point. And then Zakia added, and it's always happening. So, so this process of here you're, here you're with your, your possession of her, and now you are um, under the rule by, by volunteering to be under the rule of another of the divine names. So that process of going back and forth is the way the day is, is separated. So there are days, uh, the, the day is separated into, you have time to do extra devotional activities, and now you have the time to do the prayer. And now you have other time, and now another prayer comes. And so that back and forth is a beautiful way of seeing that you have things that you are required to do by the master. And when she's finished with you, then you can go to the other things that you would like to do. And for these people, the other things they like to do are more devotion, but devotion that they choose. And so the divine names know that I'm choosing them. So they are competing to offer me the best wages, the best insight and in inducements to join and say, you, I will serve you now. So. Sorry for the interruption. I wasn't commenting on that. This is Zakia. I was completing my split question, mm -hmm. uh, which is later, I, uh, you can read it and put it in. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, let's see. 
I don't think I read, isn't Fana a transformation? Well, so, so this will be back to the, the, the back and forth and the Fana Baka. Um, this, is, this is the way that our creation, our daily life is, is, uh, has different parts. It has the, the necessary part and the, the voluntary part. The parts that I, I, I must do because that's what I'm told to do by Zat and I'm her possession. And then the times when I'm saying, now you're free to uh, serve in whichever, serve whichever divine name you wish. And uh, that back and forth is a very beautiful part of, of how our lives work. And, uh, and with Ibn Arabi, this is, that's why there's no bottom line. There's no, this is the way things are. And there's, you know, in one sentence, because it's always changing. And, and the beauty of it, it's the dynamic of it, is that you can see the prayer that you make because you're required to and the prayer that you make because you wish to and the charity that you give because you're required to and the charity you give because you wish to and the fasting of Ramadan versus the fasting of another day. And so those are, uh, those, they have their different qualities and the different qualities are Zat, Allah, all the divine names. Roman scale, the still point is the fixed point that resolves all. So yeah, in a Roman scale, you have this, you have the, the numbers are here and the tongue will go up and down and then the weight will be here. And Ibn Arabi says that's because, so iron can measure gold. And there's no question that iron is not gold and gold is not iron, but iron can weigh and measure gold. And so, so you can have different qualities so that if you do a charity of, of a good word, it can also it can have it can have the same value of a charity which is um, you know transferring wealth or so transferring wealth, giving a good word can weigh the same, even though they are, are not of the same genus or of the same type. So um, Hadija Oski has a question. Yes, salamu alaikum and thank you. Salam. Thank you for everything. Um, so this is, so when you feel frail, when you see weakness within yourself, you you can choose Halim, I mean Latif, right? You yeah. said you can choose Latif to, um, and then get the wages from that choice. But what if we choose Kahar instead? <laughs> <laughs> And how not to, and that question. And then right after that, you said, your intentions are created by us. So I said, maybe we just make the intention um, mm -hmm. to choose Latif as a postcard. And, <laughs> and yeah, is there so any other way you can think of? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, goes, that goes to the heart of the matter. Beautiful. Um, well, what's what's, what what happening with this process? You know, so I have left or right. I have kahar. I can choose the forceful one, or the 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 all compelling one, or the the painfully forceful one, or I can choose the gentle one. And so I I I could be looking at them, wavering. Which of the two names shall I work for? Which shall I serve? And there is an absolute truth that you could go either way. You could choose either name. But what will happen when you say madet, madet will be a will be a line of ink. And so madet 
is the same word as imdad, extended hand, and the same word as midad, the inkwell. So the inkwell and the pen will draw a trickle of ink to you and say, why don't you go with this side? And you'll say, I'll go with this side. And the moment you say, I'll go with that side, all other sides disappear. And then you go with that one. So medet is the one that you, that you reach out to over there to those pens, say, give me the name I, I need. And then you get it. And then when it comes back as a trickle, as medet, you now say, oh, I need Latif. And then you intend and desire and call a Latif. <laughs> Wonderful, yeah. So I've got all the emails here. That's, that's great. I'll, I'll go ahead and try to bring all those out to you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs>